we're loved, we're cleansed, we're new creations in Christ. Old things are made new. Uh, you know, uh, we have fellowship with the Lord and we have fellowship with one another and we can walk in the light and, you know, Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I mean, all of our identity has to shift over, not to what we did or what they did, but what Jesus does. All righty, Mark and Grace Driscoll here with the Real Marriage Podcast. And uh, in this uh, four-part series, we're taking questions. So, best friend Grace, what do you got for this one? This question is, how can you deal with past sexual trauma in your current marriage? It makes it hard to be intimate and puts a strain on the relationship sometimes. So, uh, this is generational Mm -hmm. consistency and catastrophe. I think it is, if memory serves me correct, one in four women, one in six men reports being sexually assaulted. And we don't know what kind of trauma they're talking about. Could be, you know, there's different kinds of trauma. Um, And it's supposed to be the most underreported crime. And I would say probably especially among men. Mm -hmm. Um, And that probably doesn't include the fact that oftentimes close family members are involved, siblings, uh, you know, yep. dad, uncle, grandpa. And so we don't really know the the scope and the size of the right. generational epidemic. Uh, but the person asking this question, it's a brave question. They're asking it on behalf of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so um, let's assume it's sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, past sexual trauma. Yeah. Current marriage. Okay. So past sexual trauma affecting the current marriage. Um, I'll let you go first and then we'll share some things that we learned in a training session today. Yeah. I think um, many, many couples can relate to this. Like you said, it's underreported how many people have been through something like this. But um, a lot of times, kids don't even have a framework for sexuality to begin with. And so any kind of trauma added to, not even have any information on what healthy sex is just ex- escalates the hardship. Because it can hardship. start when they're little. Yes. And it can be an adult grooming and abusing a child. Yes. And sometimes it's a child harming a child. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these categories. And when you're little, it's hard to know, you know, were we wrestling? Right. Was it sexual? I mean, the categories are not clear oftentimes the younger right. you are. Right. And again, if you don't have parents teaching you in a healthy way, you don't even have an expectation for what healthy sexual activity looks like yeah. or pre-sexual activity, you know, with people. So really um, how to deal with it is you need to determine um, how, where it originated. Um, if this sexual trauma is from childhood, it's a different way of dealing with it than even if it's as an adult, like a one-time thing versus throughout your childhood. There's different categories of sexual trauma. Um, really, really seeking help from a professional Christian counselor that can help kind of figure out what type of sexual trauma it is or was um, so that you can learn how to deal with that specific type of trauma. Um, For if this is, you know, a husband asking this question about a wife being the person that wants to help her get the right help, not just any counselor, um, but really help her get the right help so that she can process it out and not feel shame about it, not feel guilt of it because sexual trauma is not that person's fault. 
um, they can't, they are ashamed of it, but it's not their fault. They need to be cleansed from it. And so basically finding out kind of the, the details of it enough that you know which type of help the person needs. So this, uh, this is part of our marriage. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I don't remember any sexual trauma and, you know, abuse in my background. I don't Mm -hmm. remember anything of that nature. I grew up in a violent neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I saw violence. I grew up in a perverted neighborhood, Mm -hmm. strip clubs and prostitutes and near the airport. Um, in the neighborhood, in the neighborhood. So, Mm -hmm. but, but I, I don't remember, I I have no awareness of anything happening to me, Mm -hmm. you know, at any point in my life where something was done to me. That was part of the education process that you got just seeing that and being exposed to that as a young child. That is, while it wasn't necessarily comfortable for you to see that, that was also just, you became numb to some of it because it was just always there. Yeah. And, uh, and for you though, we were married some years and if you want, you can share the story. Yeah. And then I realized about, I don't know, 10 plus years into our marriage that when we were talking about some previous experiences that I had actually experienced sexual trauma um, from a previous relationship before we even started dating. And you were the one that pointed out that's actually... Yeah, you were folding the laundry and I just, you know, I think we had the five kids at the time. I was retelling data and facts like it was just data and facts. Yeah, I I remember um, you were folding the laundry and you, you, we were talking about something, and I just felt like asking some clarifying questions. I knew you'd had some mm-hmm. previous relationship, and I knew, you know, we knew each other. We met mm-hmm. at 17, so it's not like we had tons of time before right. we met each other. And I just felt like, huh, I'm just going to ask a few, mm-hmm. you know, kind of clarifying. Yeah, funneling questions, like maybe a little more granular detail. And as you started to explain, you know, you were just reporting it as kind of, well, you know, this is what happened. This would happen. I'm not going to get into the details. I just start crying. Mm -hmm. I just burst into tears, which I don't cry a lot. Uh, My daughters make me cry all the time. Um, But, you know, I tend not to be a cry. I just start crying. And you got emotionally, I'm so sorry. Well, I I shouldn't have said that. We don't need to talk about it. And you wanted to immediately put the lid back on it. Like, oh boy, this looks like it's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. But you had been through some things that you had not really shared in detail and you came to the conclusion that it wasn't abusive. I came to the conclusion that it was abusive and then talking to counselors and clinicians and professionals, it's a hundred percent abusive. It was not consensual. It was not acceptable. But because of my identity being messed up, I thought I deserved it. And so I didn't consider it abusive because I thought that's what I deserved. That's the manipulation of abusers. They make you feel like this is all you deserve. And so then that began a process. For me, it explained, okay, now I know my wife. Mm -hmm. And as devastating and horrifying and and angering it was Mm -hmm. to hear, Mm -hmm. because as a husband, it's like, that's my wife mm-hmm. and nobody's allowed to hurt her. And just cause I wasn't there and didn't know you yet, uh, didn't mean I didn't right. care. And so I, I wish I would have met you younger mm-hmm. so that I could defend and protect you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but, but it was, um, the revelation of the reality, at least then I, I really knew my wife mm-hmm. cause there were some things I was like, I don't understand, you know, mm-hmm. I don't understand 
why certain mm-hmm. things are certain ways. And now you're like, yeah, it oh. puts a strain on the relationship. Sometimes hard to be intimate. We were experiencing some of those things. Yeah. And then I would get frustrated mm-hmm. and then you would get scared because mm-hmm. you're like, well, is he going to be angry? And you know, like the guy and that do something. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm never I'm not going to hurt mm-hmm. you. I don't hurt women. I don't mm-hmm. do that. I'm frustrated. But it created this really negative cycle to where you had trauma that I didn't know about. As a result, I, I felt distance mm-hmm. and I didn't know why. And then I would get frustrated. My frustration would make you more fearful. Mm-hmm. And so then that would create more distance. Right. And so maybe they're in that kind of. And then once I realized you've been through the trauma, it's like, ah, yes, this is not personal. Mm-hmm. She is um, she's got some patterns that started before I got there. Mm-hmm. And it's not personal. I'm experiencing it personally and it's personally affecting me. But this is just something that happened to you that has affected you that you need to heal from and I need to understand too. And as a side note, dads do your job so this doesn't happen to your daughters, please. (laughs) Protect, defend. Protect and defend from these guys because these guys are out there. They are. And and so what would a healing process look like? Um, You know, because you've walked that path now for many years. What are some things that would be really good first steps. I think getting someone to objectively just tell the whole story, tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and then let a professional say, Mm -hmm. here's what it was and let them name it. Because the worst thing we can do is sort of uh, be our own doctor. Right, right. Especially when we're broken, we don't know how to assess our situation. Um, So for me, it was a process. We tried one scenario of going somewhere out of state and um, trying to work through the issue. Like an intensive mm-hmm. seminar situation. Yep. And it was probably one of the worst experiences of my life. And thank you, Lord, that he brought me back from there and he used it in spite of the people that were um, very misdirected and not Jesus-focused. And I think that was really the detriment of that program. And they were very belittling of men. That's not the goal in your healing of sexual abuse. You don't want to look down on men. You want to get bitter. Because God is a man and we need to see God as a father ultimately. So I needed to deal with a father wound when I went. I needed to deal with just my view of men in general um, and not degrade men, but you know, learn how to interact in a healthy way um, with my husband, with my sons. Um, and then I tried a counselor that, again, it wasn't, it, this took several tries for me because there's not, um, there are some bad counselors well, out and there. Well, and I would say too, honey, not to interrupt you, but like how many years ago was this now? Uh, 20. So this was... Pre-trauma to, therapy. <laughs> today, yeah. Trauma yeah. therapy, abuse therapy, specialization, and integration of Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. belief in Jesus, love Gospel for the center. Bible, but also neural pathways, brain science, mm-hmm. uh, the physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, dealing with a whole person, yes. more of that integrated work. Yes. It's made some very significant progress Absolutely. in 20 years. And so Absolutely. the resources are far better. Yes, yeah. they are so much better. And I did go to one counselor and bless her heart. She just started crying before I even talked 
about the actual trauma in my life. And so I realized she wasn't going to be able to handle hearing my whole story. So then I just I kept going until I found someone that actually could engage in the situation without me feeling shame with, but also not I didn't want to be left as a victim. I wanted to know that ultimately God was going to cleanse me from this. I could have a healthy marriage. I could have healthy relationships going forward. I didn't want to stay in victim mode. I didn't want to stay in therapy my whole life. I needed a season where I could grow and heal and really gain new perspective and and also own some of the things because out of that trauma, I started to make sinful decisions and had some sinful habits in my own life. And so I needed to own that. But first I needed to deal with me being the victim that this happened to. But then out of that, I needed to deal with my issues and choices that I had made. Um, And part of that was, you know, withholding different things in marriage. And so for me, it was a process. And so you don't always get the right person or program the first try great if you do and pray that that is your story, but help them help your spouse find a good professional that can help you walk through this that's going to be Jesus-centered and not self-help-centered or, you know, other types of spirituality. We need Jesus. We need the gospel. We need God's righteousness on us as believers to cleanse us from all these things and to not live in shame so that your marriage can heal. So uh, it's curious because we came to the studio today from a training session Mm -hmm. for some of our team members at Trinity Church here in Scottsdale. We brought in uh, somebody who's a professional, licensed Christian counselor, fully integrated, loves the Bible, loves Jesus, filled Mm -hmm. with the Spirit, all the clinical categories and training Mm -hmm. and certifications. And uh, they were talking about three kinds of uh, trauma. And I'm literally made mm-hmm. notes this morning. So mm-hmm. maybe yeah, we share great. those. Um, there's what you would call overt trauma. This is the big capital T trauma. Mm-hmm. Maybe explain that to folks. Yeah. So there was one incident that here it would be sexual, past sexual trauma. Um, one incident that was traumatizing and has caused habits in your life and caused fears in your life and realities in your life. Or big T trauma can also be a small thing that has been done over time. So we'll hit that in a second. So the the, the overt capital T trauma is one of those things that if you, you anybody you know, you're like, this happened to him, you're like, oh, no. Yeah, you all agree that was. It's not like, well, just happened once. It's like, no, 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 no. That's. That's a shot to the soul. Yes. That'll mess anybody up. Yes. That is a crisis. Mm-hmm. And um, um, yeah, I mean, when we worked largely with college and singles, uh, previously uh, late night services, urban environment, the amount of capital T trauma mm-hmm. was overwhelming mm-hmm. and, um, you know, still have a lot to learn, but, you know, had a lot, lot to learn then. And mm-hmm. I mean, just... I'll never forget the day. I'll give you like a, a horrific example. Um, there was a gal came up to me. I was getting ready to preach a sermon. And it was like my fifth or sixth sermon of the day. I preached mm-hmm. myself almost to death. And uh, she came up. She said, Pastor Mark, I, t- I want to share a story with you. I was like, okay. And I, I didn't really know her. She just was maybe new to the church. And she said, uh, I always wanted to know my dad. And my mom said he was a horrible, evil, awful guy. And uh, that I could never meet him. And she said, I just really want to meet my dad. So when I turned 18, I found out who my dad was and I went to meet him. I said, how'd it go? And she said, he raped me. Mm. She only 
she only saw her dad one time in her whole life. And that's what he did. I, I literally, uh, I started, I burst into tears and I grabbed, I didn't let her see this. She saw me cry and I prayed for her and the band started playing and I'm supposed to preach. And I went through up mm. on the side of the stage in a garbage mm-hmm. can. I threw up. I mean, mm-hmm. I was just like, I can't, I mean, as a dad, That's so evil. like that is just, that is like your dad is possessed by Satan. Mm-hmm. I can't even, I mean, just, so the capital T trauma is like, it doesn't matter if it happened once mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter who you are. That's catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is um, overt or little t trauma, and it's not as big of a trauma, but it's cumulative. It's repetitive. Over. It's habitual. Mm-hmm. It's over time. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, maybe you give an example of what that would be like, even for a woman. Yeah, I mean, that could be whether it's sexual or it could be manipulation. It could be control, emotional trauma of someone controlling you over time, whether it's, you know, from a child or in your teen years. Um, It can even be um, like he gave an example of like you experience an accident that's big T trauma, but then small T trauma can be like uh, things that happen that trigger that. Um, There's all kinds of small T trauma that are probably more likely for most people. And yeah, small T trauma is uh, it's cumulative over time. Mm-hmm. And this can be like I know of one family where the dad always watched porn in the living room on the big TV. Mm-hmm. And so you just knew when dad came home from work, if he turned the TV on, mom may have to grab mm-hmm. the kids and run them into the other room. And he did this all the time. You're like, good night. I mean, that's habitual. It's ongoing. And it's 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 a violent offense against the health and well-being of the family. Mm-hmm. This may be you were in a dating relationship and somebody cheated on you over and over and over and over and over and didn't tell you and you were sleeping with them, you know, fornicating mm-hmm. before you're married. And, and then you find out about this was an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this can be you're intimate with someone and then they immediately shame and degrade you or, you know, critique your performance. Mm-hmm. And there are different ways that trauma happens. And sometimes... It's just ongoing, it's habitual, it's repetitive, and it's like, well, okay, so they called you a bad name or they did something, get over it. It's like, no, 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 it was an ongoing pattern. Mm-hmm. And the the longer it goes, kind of the deeper it goes. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about neural pathways briefly. And then the third category, so there's kind of overt big T trauma, there's covert little t trauma, and then there's developmental trauma. And this can be big or little trauma, but it happens in those formative years Mm -hmm. when you're a kid or you're a teenager and you're establishing your identity, Mm -hmm. you're figuring out who you are. I mean, if something happens to you when you're 13 versus 43, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to respond and process very differently. And so this can be in childhood or this can be in those teen uh, development years. Under 20. And and, and or 20. And so like for you, it was in the teen years. Mm -hmm. Those are that's developmental trauma. Mm -hmm. And so it was, I mean, yours, honestly, was all three. There was times of overt Mm -hmm. uh, and big T. There was lots of ongoing little T and it was during your teen years. So it's developmental. Mm -hmm. So for you, it was all three of those. Mm -hmm. Um, For developmental trauma, what does that do to someone's identity in those identity forming years? Yeah, I mean, for little T trauma, like neglect probably 
um, my father wound uh, was little T trauma, but it was over time and it was in those growing up years. So a dad misses a game or a performance one time. That's not I mean, that hurt, that's hurtful, but it's not trauma. It's a bummer. It's like, okay, I don't, I hope he doesn't. Well, if he's doing that and always puts work so he was over, never, ever never there. at anything that you did, that's small T trauma. That's over time. And it's, if it's in those developmental years, it forms your identity. It says, oh, I guess I don't have value. I guess I'm not loved or I'm not important enough. Not a priority. Mm-hmm. And so it, it builds an identity that's not true because our identity is formed at creation when we're created in God's image and likeness. But a a human father or a mother or whoever is a caretaker or even a teacher or a coach can put things into that identity that are lies, but they're very believable because they're in our formative years. And we want to believe someone that's overseeing us. And so we start to believe what they're saying about us. Yeah, and the, the, the real trouble with developmental trauma is it does set an identity and then you begin to live out of it. And it's that's like the a, neural pathway. It's like a negative self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. I'll give a painful example and then we could talk neural pathways. So early on in ministry, we were working largely with college kids, mm-hmm. lots of addiction and trauma and abuse. And I mean, it was just mm-hmm. craziness. And a lot of homeless kids, a mm-hmm. lot of mental health, drug addiction, a lot of street kids. I mean, a little bit of everything. And it was kind of in all that... 80s anger grunge yeah. punk rock drug subculture scene yeah. and um i'll never forget there was a gal got fired for being uh trying to think how to say this uh, she was on break at a job doing things with guys mm-hmm. that should never be done sexually and promiscuous, sexually promiscuous. Mm-hmm. and she got fired and um so when she was asked you know why, why do you do that she said i'm a dirty girl so i do dirty things mm-hmm. And so the question was, well, who told you that? That's what her grandpa would tell her. Because mm-hmm. she had overt big T trauma when she was little, but it was also uh, cumulative over time, and it was developmental. Mm-hmm. So he would he was a, a disgusting, demonic mm-hmm. you know, man who did horrific evil and damage. And then he would shift the blame to her. I make you do dirty things because you're a dirty person. She adopted that as her identity. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, 15, 20 years later, however old she was, she's still role-playing out the identity that was given to her in those developmental years. Yes. And it's like, oh my goodness. I mean, Mm. just the, you know, and if she continues that, this will be her whole life. Yes, yes. And all it's going to do is just then more trauma, more trauma, more Mm. trauma, more trauma. Because if you let trauma establish your identity, it's setting you up for more trauma. Absolutely. That's where God needs to give us a new identity. We're forgiven. We're loved. We're cleansed. We're new creations in Christ. All things are made new. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, we have fellowship with the Lord and we have fellowship with one another and we can walk in the light and you know, Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I mean, all of our identity has to shift over not to what we did or what they did, but what Jesus does. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and what happens when the trauma happens? You brought it up. Maybe explain. And guys, we're not clinicians. We're just we're just sharing some things that we're learning as we go. But the neural pathways and what they're finding with the latest brain science and trauma. Yeah, I mean, when your identity is being formed by. An abuser or someone that's neglectful, or from childhood on, not forming a healthy identity 
for you or helping you form a healthy identity. It literally builds a brain pathway going in that direction and it continues to go in that direction. The only way to stop that from happening is to have the God's identity of you create a new pathway and you start going in that direction, creating new habits that are healthy and identifying ways that are um, healing for you, which a counselor can help do if it's a good counselor. Um, But those neural pathways are literally lanes that are created in your brain and you have to swap to another pathway. And so the brain science, it's interesting because James says, don't be double-minded. Mm-hmm. And, and double-minded is literally, you've got your old identity and your new identity. Mm-hmm. And you're, you can live out of your new identity, but you're going back to your old neural pathways. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to be double-minded. Mm-hmm. There's literally two paths in the brain and yeah. you're choosing the wrong one, not the right one. That's why Paul tells us to be transformed by the mm-hmm. renewing of our mind. And Paul uses this language of put off and put on. And it is put off this identity, put on this identity, put off these neural pathways, put on these neural pathways. And so, uh, because otherwise, if your trauma shapes your identity and you've got a negative neural pathway with sex, then it's like, I feel scared because mm-hmm. it's always been dangerous. I feel used because it's it's always been right. I give, they take. I feel dirty because it was always wrong. I mm-hmm. feel, um, you know, uh, violated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those neural pathways are strong and they're real. Mm-hmm. And if you get married, just because you're married and you love the Lord and it's in covenant and it's okay, everything you're doing is okay, but your interpretation or feelings about it are all negative because they're shaped by the trauma. Yep. And so then you've got to form some new habits, some new neural pathways, and then your spouse is going to need to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to need to, you know, we're going to need to be emotionally close Mm -hmm. so that it's in the context of relationship. We can't do anything that God forbids because I can't do shameful, dirty things. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, and you can't, you know, push me and force me to do things because I was forced to do that and it's going to trigger me. And and we need to, you know, talk about what we're going to do so that I don't have a lot of anxiety coming in. Mm-hmm. And it probably then is going to include a really good professional. Mm-hmm. So how would they find one? Where would they begin? What what would that look like? Um, well, for us, we have a program at our church where we, I would go to the church first and see if they have any recommendations. But we interview and vet our counselors very carefully because um, there are unfortunately a lot of unhelpful counselors and like I said it was a process for me to find one so don't give up after the first one if it's not helpful and trust the Holy Spirit with this if you're sensing something off about the counselor or if you're just not feeling like a connection you get to pick who that person is and for women that have been through trauma I would generally recommend a woman there are some great men as well Um, and for some women that's super helpful um, if it's a healthy godly man Um, but many women need to have a safe I would say the converse is true for men if Mm -hmm. you've been assaulted as a man yep you're probably going to want to go talk to a healthy man to process that. Yes. So someone who absolutely believes the Bible and believes it's true and believes in Jesus and is a Christian, Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit. Um, someone, I mean, we prefer the integrative, someone that 
combines the science and the psychology into that, but isn't just using that. Someone who prays with you, someone who understands spiritual warfare, because the demonic is a part of this. Um, And it will the enemy will continue to lie about your identity as you're going through this and want to put shame back on you. Um, So the put on, put off. Someone who understands these things and theologically is just has the right you know, things in the closed handed issues. And, and then, um, so just even a lot of counselors are willing to do a free phone consultation and praying before you get on the phone, asking the Lord for discernment, um, asking your spouse to be a part of this. I mean, you know, we've had to, we've had to do this together and figure out, okay, who is the best fit for me, for you. And maybe close with this. I'll get some water. Um, is it okay or should, the potential counselee start by interviewing the potential counselor, meaning the first session is not, I'm going to tell you my whole life story. The Mm -hmm. first session is I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to get to know you. Mm -hmm. And if I like you, I'm going to choose you as my counselor. But Mm -hmm. this is, this is not me divulging everything. This is me figuring out if you're the person I want to do that with. Right. Absolutely. You have every right to do that. You're paying them to help you. And if they're not helpful, just like with any doctor that you go to, if they're not able to help you with your issue, don't go to them. Don't let them try things out on you. Um, And it's the same way with your soul and your spiritual well-being. Don't let them try things out on you. Um, And so interview them, ask them good questions about their belief in the Lord and their practice. And are they going to integrate you know, God's word, prayer, those types of things into the sessions. Absolutely, you need to interview them. And it's okay if they're not a good fit, move on to another one. Um, like I said, in the first one I went to, she started crying. And I, I was just in the very beginning of my story as a child. And she started crying. And I thought, okay, I appreciate the empathy, but I have way more to share. So this isn't going to be a good fit. Um, you're going to be crying the whole time and I'm going to be consoling you. <laughs> yeah. So things like that, just look for cues as to whether that person is a good fit. And then I would close with this too. If the spouse is okay with it and go as a couple, at least for that first mm-hmm. uh, session, like let's both go together. Mm-hmm. Let's jot down a few questions that we want to ask. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, pray before we go in. Mm-hmm. Let's ask God for wisdom and if you're going to meet with this person, you know, let's say it was you going into a counselor, like, I'd want to be part of that process, not to control it because I love you and you're my best friend. Mm-hmm. And if, if there's a check in my spirit or I don't like the answers, like I don't want, I want you to get help, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I want to make sure you're getting the best help. Mm-hmm. And so going together and, uh, and at least then if, you know, let's say the wife says, okay, I do want to meet with him. The husband should be like, you know, I, I, I feel good about that. I support that. I know who they are. Uh, I, at least now when you're in with them, I, I'm praying for you. I know mm-hmm. who you're meeting with. I have mm-hmm. some context. And then whenever the counselor and the spouse think it's a good time, they can pull the spouse in to be mm-hmm. part of the conversation and part of the healing process. And be careful if someone is too quick to try and diagnose you into a category as well. You need to be as you're sharing your story, they can start to understand some dysfunctions or some sins or some issues. But if they're just like, oh, yeah, you have that and we need to do this, that takes time. So don't let them pre-diagnose you. Won't you pray for this wife and uh, the spouses who share in this situation? Mm. Dear Lord, um, it's just 
tragic and evil that sexual trauma is even a part of this world. But Lord, we know that so many stories like this. Um, Lord, thank you that you have helped walk us through this. Thank you that you will help do that for this couple and many other couples. Um, Lord, help them to be wise and discerning in how they find help. Um, Help them to be humble and um, just kind to one another in this process and gracious. This takes time. Healing takes time at a soul level. And Lord, I just pray that you would bring about healing and forgiveness and remove shame. Um, And Lord, just help them build new, good, healthy habits for their marriage um, so that you can be uh, the God of their marriage and that they can be serving and loving one another. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to help, and I pray that these words would be healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 